Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. our theme for the year is taking possession and that's exactly what well what what are we taking possession of you got to know that before you can take possession of it right well we started at the beginning of the series get going through scriptures describing our inheritance okay the bible is god's will and testament it reveals to us what he wants us to have in our lives and what he doesn't want us to have in our lives, right? Jesus Christ said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now at the beginning of that verse, he said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the most important scriptures in the Bible, John 10, 10, because it shows you very clearly what is from God and what is not from God. Your inheritance is life abundantly. Okay? We looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, that tell us He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Wow. <laughs> we looked at Ephesians 1, I believe, that says He's blessed us with every type of blessing. You want to get a picture of your inheritance, you ought to read the beginning of Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. Now, under the Old Covenant, that was something He gave to them, but that's fulfilled through Christ in the New Covenant. So all of those blessings, listen to those first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28, belong to you. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country, blessed shall you be going in, coming, going out, coming in. Everything you put your hand to will be blessed. You should know that. You read. Absolutely. Your enemies will flee from you. That's your inheritance. Romans 8.32, that if God gave his own son for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? There are many, many scriptures in the Bible that describe to us the quality of life that the Father has provided for us through His Son. But if you don't know what belongs to you, how can you take possession of it? You can't, right? Excuse me. You can't do it, right? Because you don't know about it. So that's what we're doing in this series, Taking Possession. And I think today is part uh, 5, I believe. Part 5. So we're gonna, we'll probably finish this up next week. But we're going to look at, at, at one of my heroes, another one of my heroes in the Scriptures. She's a woman in the New Testament. But let's, uh, let's capsulize a little bit more before we get into the New Testament Scripture I want to look at. <coughs> Excuse me. Throat's a little scratchy. All right. Um, so our inheritance has been revealed to us in the Scriptures. Now, we said there are two places you can look in the Scriptures to get a very clear picture of your inheritance. We're doing a little review since we took a break last week, okay? The two places were in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ, right? 
And we see that recorded by eyewitnesses in the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, right? So that's the first place you want to look and study to see God's will and nature uh, towards you. The second place is found in the promises of God. And you'll see those all throughout the scriptures, all right? So in order for you to possess the abundant life, by possess, we're talking about experiencing it. I don't just want to talk about it. I want to live it, right? When we, we, when we uh, purchased our first home back in 1999, we purchased it because we wanted to live in it. Right. When we purchased our second home in 2008, we purchased it not to talk about it because we wanted to live in it. God wants you to live in his blessings. He wants you to live in his provision for your life. All right? So if I'm going to experience the quality of life that Christ came to give me, I need to hear about it. That's why you'll hear me say regularly, please listen to the podcast. This is wonderful what we're doing right now. But you need to hear this again tomorrow and the next day, and the next day. You need to be hearing about your inheritance, hearing about the abundant life Christ came to give you daily. So yeah, so I might take, you know, say the podcast is an hour long. Maybe I'll do like, thank you, sweetie. I might do like, you know, I've got 10 or 15 minutes a day. I'll just pop it on. I've got 10 minutes, I'll catch 10 minutes. Next day, I'll catch the next 10 minutes. Do that. See how this works, this is a filling station. Highway church. You, pull, you know, when you're on the highway, you got to pull off and get some gas, right? You're getting filled up with fuel when you come here, all right? But that fuel doesn't last because you've got to, because you burn it up, right? We're living life, you, we use fuel. So the revelation you're getting this morning, the impartation you're getting this morning needs to be cultivated, needs to be fed, needs to be spoken by you. Right? So you come to this filling station and you're given truths about uh, what Christ has done for you in, the, in, the, in many forms, in the form of stories, in the forms of scriptures, in the forms of, of revelation statements. You take those truths that are imparted to you. You say, okay, what did he just say? Uh, Romans 8, 32. John 10, 10. Ephesians 1, 3. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. You write those down or put them on your phone. Then when you go home, you meditate on them. Take them with you through the week and they'll become stronger in you. This is why this is not a spectator sport. We're the body of Christ. We're coming. We're getting filled with the Spirit. We're getting filled with the revelation of who Christ is, what He's done for us, who we are in Him. Then we're taking it with us and growing in it during the week. If you'll do that, you will get stronger every week. If you don't, you won't. Okay? Listen, I don't know if you ever had a gym membership, but do you get a gym membership for a day? No. no. Yeah, I, I just joined this amazing gym, and I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> and that's it. Well, might be an amazing gym, but one day's not going to make any difference in your life. Maybe a little sore. <laughs> no, you get a gym membership for at least a month, right? Sometimes several months, sometimes years. Why? Because it's a, it's a progressive strengthening. 
Well, our walk with the Lord is like that. We, we come into the gym. We come into highway. We fill ourselves. We worship Him. We hear the Word. We receive it. We meditate on it. And then we take it with us throughout the day into tomorrow and into Tuesday and Wednesday. Right? And we keep meditating on it. We keep speaking it with our mouth and believing it with our heart. And that's how we grow stronger and begin to experience more and more of Him. I have no interest in religion whatsoever. Zero. Been there, done that, it will kill you. It will. There's no life in it. I need 100% fresh, hot Jesus. And that's what you're going to get here. All right? So, I need to hear about it, I need to believe it, and I need to act on it. Not once, every day. It's a lifestyle. That's what Pastor Webb talked about. It's called living by faith. Faith in what? In who Jesus is, in what he's done for me, and who I am in him. We live by that. Living is a 24-hour thing, right? It's not a one- or two-hour thing. It's not a one-day-a-week thing. It's all-the-time thing. Jesus is on all the time. The Holy Spirit is on all the time. Now, we're in mortal bodies, so we, we take a rest every now and then. But the Spirit in you is on all the time. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you on this morning? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. So we learn that there are two realms of existence. Okay, two realms of existence. This is all review. Bear with me. I want to make sure we're on the same page before we get into what we're getting into today. There are two realms of existence. There is the spirit realm and the natural realm. Which came first? The spirit realm. Absolutely. You can see that in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, read through the first few verses there. And the Bible tells us that everything in this natural realm came from the spirit realm. Okay? Very important to understand that. The spirit realm is where the supernatural stuff is. Supernatural just means above the natural. So the spirit realm is where the life and power is. It's not in this natural realm. But if, you're, if you don't know these things, you're going to be looking for your answers on Google. You're going to be looking for the answers to your life from man instead of God. And man tries his best, but we are so limited in, in our natural thinking. When you start to get to know God personally, you're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, boy, do we need him, right? We need everything that he said and everything that he's done, done to be rolling around in us 24-7, right? Hallelujah. So, in order to experience our inheritance, the abundant life Christ came to give us, give us, we must become spiritually minded. Okay? There are a lot of naturally minded Christians in the body of Christ. And it talks about that in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 15. Just giving you scriptures we've gone over. You can look at them later. All right? But if you want to experience the abundant life Christ came to give you, you must become spiritually minded. How do we become spiritually minded? By hearing and meditating on and speaking the Word of God. It's that simple. That's how we become spiritually minded. You read through this book, it will rock your world. 
There's stuff in here that just could not happen in any other way but by God. This whole book is supernatural. You've got 66 books uh, written over a period of thousands of years by 40 different authors, and it perfectly agrees. It's impossible. You try and get two authors together today to write a book and perfectly agree. <laughs> right? It's, you see the mind of the Father woven from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Supernatural book right here in my hands on natural paper with natural ink, but it's a supernatural book. Hallelujah. Above the natural. Now, we ended our last uh, part of this series. We um, said that there are two parts to experiencing our inheritance. God's part and our part. Okay, that's where we left off. Now, let's pick up there. So far in this series, we've looked at some examples of spiritually minded people in the scriptures. We looked at Elisha, who saw the angel armies protecting him because he was spiritually minded. His servant wasn't. We looked at, uh, who else did we look at? Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, back in Numbers who they, they saw what God said by believing God's word, but the people around them wanted to stone them because they couldn't see what God said because they didn't believe God's word. Believing God's word opens our eyes to see things we could not see in any other way. If I refuse to believe the word of God, I am making a decision to be blind. It's just the truth. He will give you eyes to see things you could not see in any other way. All right. So what is God's part in all of this? Well, to provide our inheritance. Right? He's the the testator. He's the one who provides our inheritance. And boy, has he done that. He did a perfect job at it. He has provided our inheritance. You could sum it up in one word called grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That is your inheritance. All the Father did for you through His Son, Jesus Christ, it belongs to you. It's your inheritance, and you're meant to be walking in it, living it, enjoying it today. All right? Hallelujah. So exciting. Now, Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And I mean, a number of these scriptures, Pastor Webb shared, that we had gone over in the first four parts of this series. And we never said boo about it. I didn't say a word about what to say or anything. I just, the Holy Ghost. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by your own efforts... You have been saved. What's trouble? What happened? Oh, I'm sorry. For by grace you have been saved. Who provided that grace? Whose grace? God's grace. Jesus is the grace of God. Hallelujah. He is the grace of God. You will not find him condemning one sinner that came to him. 
Everyone who came to him was a sinner, right? <laughs> you will find uh, other people condemning the people that came to him <laughs> and hoping he would condemn them, but he wouldn't do it. Why? He's the grace of God. He's the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Jesus is not only the grace of God, He's the Word of God. John 1.1 1, 1. You'll become a skillful uh, disciple of Christ in the Word by coming to highway. You're going to know the Scriptures. John 1.1 1, 1, Right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Talking about Jesus. So Jesus is the grace of God, and he's the word of God. If someone's telling you about Jesus, you should be hearing about the grace of God. Amen. It's true. It's the grace of God that changes us. Yes. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. The New Testament church has begun. And they preached the message, the gospel of grace. Acts 20, 32 says, And now I commend you to God and to the word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is grace. To the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance, the abundant life. You can put abundant life in there anytime you read inheritance. Okay? You can put that in, and that's what he's talking The inheritance, the abundant life among all those who are sanctified. All right? So it's the word of his grace. It's, it's faith in Christ that, uh, that enables us to experience this abundant life. Now, when God wants to accomplish something, he sends his word. You may as well know that about him. Oftentimes people pray and say, you know, God, make that, uh, make that red light turn green. My prayer is that all my lights will be permanently green when I'm driving. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, but I, sometimes it does. I don't like red lights. <laughs> I told Jennifer we're driving to church this morning. I said, anyone gets in front of me, I just cast the devil right out of him. I said, get out of my way. <laughs> God has a way of operating and he's never going to change it because it's perfect. That's kind of, that takes an adjustment for us to get used to that because we're used to dealing with people, right? Every company is, is, is developing and growing. Software is always being developed. There's another version coming out. But with God, he's not like that. He's perfect in all of his ways. He always has been. He always will be. He's never had to say, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No. <laughs> oh, oh I, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, my mistake. My bad. He's never had to do that because he's perfect in all his ways. We have to renew our mind to that, right? So his methods, his ways are perfect. And when he wants to get something done, he will send his word. Who did he send to get it done? Jesus. He's the word of God. Amen. Look at Psalm 107, verse 20. We're talking about God's part. 
right? He's provided our inheritance through His Word. He sent His Word. So listen, even if you literally cannot read today, start to learn. I'm serious. Start to learn today. I told you about one of, my, uh, one of the guys I looked up to. His name was Peter Daniels. He's a billionaire living in Australia. And he, he was labeled brain dead. He was kicked out of school. They, they told him, your son's never going to amount to anything. He can't learn. He never learned to read. He became an adult and he learned uh, masonry. But he still could not read. And Billy Graham came to his hometown. He heard the gospel preached. He heard Billy Graham say that if you put your faith in Christ, you become the child of the king, son of the king. And he put his faith in Christ, and he said, well, if I'm the son of the king, I can read. Peter Daniels is his name. He became uh, an amazing man. Uh, the, the United Nations would call him for advice. Uh, very influ- influential man all around the world. And what he did, he got a dictionary, and he walked around his town. He'd say, people, he said, what does this say? And they'd read it to him. That's how he learned to read. This man went from what they called brain dead to reading hundreds of books a year. Hundreds of, and not little teeny ones. He would, he'd, he'd read like this. You know, I can't even turn pages as fast as he read. But he'd see the whole page. He'd see these chunks at a time. We're talking about the Word of God, right? So if you can't read the Bible, start today. Amen. Just open up to John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, in is the first word. I-N. Next word's the. Next word's beginning. There you go. In the beginning. Right? You can learn to read by coming the highway. Yeah, you put the words right up there, I say them. That's all you got to do. See the words and hear them. That's how we learn language. Hallelujah. That's all you need to do. Just see it, hear it, and see it. Hallelujah. Psalm 107.20. So don't say that. Well, I don't like to read. Forget that. Forget that. You don't, you don't have a choice in this matter. You may not like to read, but you need to eat. Reading the Bible is eating. If someone says, I don't like to eat, well, they're only going to be saying that about six or seven weeks, right? And then that's it. So you can say, I don't like to read, but you've got to read the Bible. You don't have an option. You've got to read it. You've got to know it. You've got to meditate in it, all right? It's not a speed reading contest. You can take your time with it. Just go to John 1.1. In the beginning was the word change your life right there and remember if you put your faith in christ the holy spirit's in you to teach you the bible as you read it and he will do it perfectly he'll speak to you as you read so psalm 107 20 this is old testament now talking about the israelites They needed deliverance. How did God do that? He sent His Word and healed them. He didn't send an ambulance. He sent His Word and healed them. How did He send them His Word? Through a prophet named Moses. Through a pastor. Through one of the ministry gifts. God calls apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to speak the word to you so that you can experience your inheritance. Hallelujah. He sent his word and healed them. That's a powerful scripture. And delivered them from their destructions. You've got to learn how God operates. People are praying, God, make that, make that 
tree turn blue and I'll believe. That's, that's stupid. God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't zap something and make it glow so that you'll believe Him. He will speak to you. He'll send you His Word. He's speaking to you right now. Hallelujah. Now look at Psalm 138, verse 1. This is a powerful scripture. It says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship. It sounds like someone who doesn't care what people think about him. Is that you? How about it? Come on. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. Look at this. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Talking about God's way of operating. The word. You've got to know this. Your inheritance comes through his word. The New American Standard says you've magnified your word according to all your name. The New Century Version says you have made your name and your word greater than anything. I like that. That's the New Century Version. Greater than anything. The New Living Translation says for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. (laughs) So this is how God operates. If you have a need in your life, He will send you His Word. And in that Word is is everything you could need and so much more. Hallelujah. But you've got to choose to hear it, to believe it, receive it, and act on it. Right? Hallelujah. So that is God's part, to provide our inheritance. He did that by His grace. For by grace we've been saved. And what is our part? To receive His grace by faith. We know we don't deserve it. We know we can never earn it. So we believe it. We receive it by faith. That's what Ephesians 2.8 said, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is our part to receive the Word of God. How do we receive the Word of God? We hear it. We welcome it, we read it, we meditate on it, we speak it, we sing it. It becomes the focus of our lives. Just like the Father, we exalt His Word above everything else. Above everyone else. No matter who they are, what qualifications they feel they have, what... what, what, uh, awards they've won or degrees they've earned, we exalt the Word of God above everyone and everything else. Not legalistically, right? but by faith. We're not legalistic people. We're talking about relationship with God. Okay? Hallelujah. Now, are you ready for You might have to put your seatbelt on for this one. You Okay? It's been said that God can do anything, but that's not true. But it's often taught in religious circles that God can do whatever He wants to, that God can do anything. In other words, there's a warped 
view of God's sovereignty. Is God perfect in power? Yes. Is he sovereign? Yes, but you have to understand what the word means. The word sovereign means he's above all. It does not mean he's controlling everything. He's not causing, nor is he allowing things to happen. All right? This is a big one, and I I say it regularly because it's a huge roadblock to people experiencing their inheritance. They said, well, God didn't uh, cause it, but he allowed it. No, he didn't. He's not controlling what's going on in the earth. The Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus taught it very clearly. All right? And the scriptures teach it very clearly. God gave man authority over the earth. Not just a little dab. He gave authority over everything on the earth. Every plant, every creature. All right? Man rejected God and gave that authority to Satan. Satan stole it. Satan became the God of this world. Very important you understand that. Okay? Satan is the one who steals, kills, and tries to destroy through sickness, through poverty, through oppression, through depression. That's his territory. That's not, God doesn't do those things. He doesn't allow those things. All right? Very important to understand that. Hallelujah. So what do you mean God cannot do anything? He, he must always operate according to his word. He's bound himself to it. He can never violate it. If he does, he would be a sinner. And you know that's not going to happen, right? He has to operate according to what he's already said. Because Now that's hard for us to, we again, another adjustment, we're used to dealing with people, and we know people aren't that way, we're just people, right? We, we don't always follow through with what we said, sometimes we just make a mistake, or sometimes something comes up, but God's not like that. When he says it, it's so, and he'll never move from it. He doesn't have to withdraw it, it's perfect. He doesn't have to revise it or update it. It's perfect the moment it leaves his lips. You got to renew your mind to this. Okay? He cannot violate his own word. He always operates in perfect agreement with and according to his word. All right? Always. Never once has he deviated from it. I want to get this across to you. We're, de- we're talking about God, not, not a, 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 a pastor, not a man, not a woman, not a. a a human being, all right? So, because God has given us our inheritance through the Word, and it's our part to receive that Word, ignorance of His Word, or not believing it, can keep us from experiencing our inheritance. Can keep us from experiencing what God wants to do in our lives can keep us from living the abundant life Christ came to give us. Let me say this to you. Ignorance of the Word of God or refusing to believe it will limit what God can do in your life. Are we here? I'm going to show you that in the Scriptures. All right, You'll see there's such a, a twisted concept of God in the body of Christ, unfortunately. They see God in a way that that Jesus did not reveal him. Jesus is God. 
right? Let's look at this. Mark chapter 7. Are you ready for this? Mark chapter 7. See, we've got to receive God's word by faith. But if we're ignorant of it, if all we know is our religious tradition, we're like sitting ducks to the devil. He'll just pick us off. Because we've got no defense. When Satan came against Jesus, what did he say? It is written. He knew the word of his father. He had it memorized. He didn't have to say, uh, yeah, I think it says, uh. No, uh-uh. Why? Because he knew he was living in a fallen world, and it was the word of God that would give him the victory. Amen. You've got to know the same thing. Right. I love what, what Pastor Webb said. He said, he, God came to, that we would live a stress-free life. Yeah. Now, not an opposition-free life, but a stress-free life. Yeah. Satan will come against you at some point in your life. He's got schemes to try and steal from you, to try and destroy you, confuse you, oppress you, make you sick, make you poor. That's, all he, that's what he does. And you can't just uh, pretend it, it's not real and avoid it. You know, we can't just go in a corner and close our eyes and pretend it's going to be all right. It's not. We're in enemy territory. We must know the Father. We must know the Father. We must know what he said. His word is our weapon. His word is our shield. His word is our victory. Hallelujah. Now Jesus, remember Jesus is God, right? He's not just a nice guy that we look to every now and then. He's the perfect nature of God. He's God in the flesh. And he's talking to the religious leaders. These were the experts in the scriptures that he's rebuking here. <laughs> he says, you're making the word of God in verse 13, Mark 7, 13, of no effect. This is the same word that made the universe. You're making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. So how does that work? Well, let me give you an example. I grew up in a tradition that made the Word of God of no effect in my life. We didn't even really read it. We, we had it on the walls, and it was used in some homilies every now and then. But they told me that if I sinned, I had to pay a price. And that I had to go to this minister, and he would tell me what I had to do to be absolved of my sins. And I, just, I remember this one in particular. He told me I was probably, I don't know, maybe eight years old. He told me I had to wash the dishes for my mom for a week. I had to say three of this certain type of prayers, four of these prayers. I had, he gave me a list of things I had to do. Guess what? That made the Word of God of no effect in my life. Now, what was he teaching me? You have to atone for your own sins. What Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. You see that? Are we, are we awake? Can we be real? So that's, that's yeah. That's an example of how tradition makes the Word of God of no effect. Now, what if he would have told me Romans 8.1? Woo-hoo! What if he told me Ephesians 2.8? Well, if by grace you've been saved. I forget what I did. I think I stole some bubble gum or something. What if he would have told me by grace you've been saved? You know, you put your faith in Christ, you become a new creature. You won't be tempted by that bubble gum anymore. Right? Yeah. But he, so that's what happens, and there are many, many such things as these. I could spend all day giving you other examples you'd be very familiar with, all right? 
They told us we had to hold on to a necklace and repeat all these prayers over and over and over and over again. What is that teaching you? That's teaching you that, that you have to somehow get through to God. That you've got to do. Jesus said, do not pray vain repetitions like the pagans do. I didn't hear that one growing up. Why? Because we were praying vain repetitions, prayers. They never told me, speak in the name of Jesus. See, these traditions make the word of God of zero effect in people's lives. Hallelujah. It's time to be free of all that, and it's time to know him for yourself. All right, look at Mark chapter 6. I share these scriptures with people, and they, they, they say, what? This is the Bible. Remember, Jesus is the word of God. Now, Jesus has been ministering. Right? Ministering, setting people free, uh, traveling, going about teaching and healing every manner of sickness, every manner of disease. But he comes to his hometown. And they know him. They saw him grow up. They know his dad was a carpenter. And they're not sure. They're kind of like, who does this guy think he is? Right? So he goes to the synagogue, which he did regularly. And what would he would do? He would teach and then he would heal. Okay? So in verse 5 of Mark 6, it says, this time about Jesus, he could do no mighty work there. What? I thought God could do anything. Mm -mm. I thought Jesus just has to speak and it happens. No. This is something, this is a cooperation. God didn't make us as slaves and servants. He made us as sons and daughters to receive from him and cooperate with him. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. It's a co-ownership. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, means mildly sick, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching, because that's the cure for unbelief. You need to hear the word. The Amplified says, and he was not able to do even one work of power there. Talking about Jesus. God in the flesh. So see, people come to church and say, well, I, I don't, nothing happened. I came and nothing happened. Well, you know what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? What are you believing See, listen, responsibility is not a bad word. We all have a personal responsibility to act on the Word of God. In fact, responsibility, think of it this way, it's our response to His ability. And all of us need to do that. We all have that. God's given us that free will and that responsibility so that we can enjoy Him, right? My wife had to respond to me when I asked her to marry me. She had a responsibility to either say yes or no. If she would have said maybe, that wouldn't work. I need either a yes or I need a no. She still hasn't said anything. It's been 27 years, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting. No. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> well, she, she said yes, but that, that was a responsibility. When someone asks you, you don't have to say yes. Sometimes no is a good answer. It's too late now, Jennifer, but <laughs> too late now. I got a contract. Sorry. <laughs> 
But, uh, so, but you do have to respond. Now, when we're dealing with people, sometimes no is a good response. No is a good word. When you're dealing with the devil, no is a very good word. Sometimes the devil's working through people. You better know how to say no. All right? When we're dealing with God, it's yes all day. It's yes all day because he's perfect love, right? So what's our response to the Father? Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways. Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. That's right, yes, amen. That's a good song, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, let's see. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Let's look at Psalm 78, 41. So what is unbelief? It's a response of no to God. I hear the word. There's Jesus teaching them the kingdom of God, and they say, nah. <laughs> That's what unbelief is. It's just saying no to what God just said. Right. It's a response of no. What's, what's believing? A response of yes. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. Psalm 78, 41. Look at this. Yes, again and again they tempted God. It's talking about Israel. And limited the Holy One of Israel. The Living Bible says, and limited the Holy One of Israel from giving them His blessings. Wow. It's just the Scriptures, right? So you see how these warped concepts of God are out there. God has done everything He can do to bless you. How do we know that? He gave us His Son. That's everything. I mean, you can't even begin to imagine how much He wants to bless you. As much as you want to be blessed, infinitely more he wants to bless you. That's why he gave you son. You can't even imagine how strong and blessed and prosperous he wants you to be. It's good to try, though. It's good to start getting used to his thoughts about you. Start to show me, Holy Spirit. Reveal to me your goodness. Reveal to me your amazing plan for my life. It's good to, to, to grow in that. For the rest of eternity, we'll be, we'll be growing in the reality of who he is. Hallelujah. He's, he's limitless. Now, so God's part is to give us our inheritance. He sent his word, Jesus Christ, who is the grace of God. Our part's to receive it by faith. For God's word to manifest, become real, to, for, let me say this, for God's word to show up in the natural realm, that's this realm that we touch, taste, hear, feel, and smell, I get them all. For it to show up in this realm, it requires a recipe. His word must be joined to a human heart. It must be planted in a human heart, believed in a human heart. God's word outside of, of man's heart is of no effect. Now, as far as to, to creation, creation doesn't answer back. It just does, I'm talking about human beings. So God spoke the stars, the stars obey, the wind, everything obeys God. But man, we're different. 
I'm talking about us, human beings, okay? Our little pop indie is learning to obey us every time we say, get out of there, right? But, but people were different, okay? So in order for God's blessings to show up in my life, His Word has to be in my heart. It's got to be on my mind, but it really needs to be in here. If it's just up here, it's, it's not going to work. we got to put it here first, and then it goes here, right? And that's a fast process sometimes if you've, if you've been worshiping Him, Right? So this recipe of God's Word in your heart has to happen. This equation, if you want to say it that way. God's Word plus your heart equals a manifestation of your inheritance. Okay? But God's Word is a seed. Jesus taught us that. That means a seed is planted and then it grows. And He taught us in that same parable in Mark chapter 4. That when the seed of God's word is sown, Satan comes to steal that seed. You're going to leave here today and there are going to be doubts and all kinds of thoughts that may present themselves to you about what you just heard. What is that? Spiritual warfare. So you hear, you, you, you're ministered healing during communion. And the enemy will say, well, yeah, that's not going to work for you. That's ridiculous. That's not going to work for you. You know, you've tried that before, and that's, you know. And what, what do you say to the devil, yes or no? No. No. Yeah, big fat no. That's right. So the Word of God has got to be in your heart, and you need to keep it there. Uh, I, I've not really done it much, but my wife loves to plant. And uh, I know a little bit about it. You know, you put the seed in the ground. But you leave it there. In fact, you cover it up. You protect it. You water it. Right? Because you want it to grow. You're thankful for the seed, but you want what's inside of the seed. You want the produce of the seed. So I'm thankful that in this book I have on a piece of paper John 1.1 or John 10.10 or Ephesians 1.3. But I want the produce of that in my life. Not just paper and ink. I want to taste it. You know? I want my mouth to be dripping with it. I want to taste it. I want to live it. I want to experience it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Where's that in scriptures? Psalm 34, right? Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So let's look at an example of this recipe, God's Word in a human heart meeting in the Scriptures, okay? Let's go to Mark, uh, let's see here, Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. You know what, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry, can we go to Hebrews 4? Hebrews 4, before we go there, we're going to look at a couple more Scriptures. Hebrews 4. Let's look at this recipe of God's Word in our faith. God's word, our believing heart. Okay? Hebrews 4.1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2, For unto us was the good news preached, as well as unto them, it's talking about Israel, back in the, as they came out of bondage, But the word preached did not profit them, 
not being mixed with faith to them that heard it. So God's people, He delivered them from the bondage they put themselves in, but they didn't receive His Word. And they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years because they didn't mix their faith with the Word of God. That's the recipe. Yes, we need God to speak, but He's already spoken. He's already given us His Word. The time, it's, it's our move. It's our move now. It's our move. It's time to hear the Word, to meditate in it, to speak it, to believe it, to act on it. It's our move. Hallelujah. Now, let me read Romans as well. Romans 10. Romans 10. This is so good. The Bible is the ultimate cookbook. Every recipe you need is right in here. Romans chapter 10. Look at this. They're talking about the combination of God's Word in your heart. All right? Romans 10.6 says, But the righteousness that is by faith says, speaks. Right? Do not say in your heart you will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up for the dead. In other words, don't look for salvation anywhere else. Christ has already done it. All right? Verse 8. But what does it say? The Word is near you. It is in your heart. It is in your mouth. Wow. The Word is near you. It is in your heart. And in, excuse me, The Word, what does it say? The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Now, I had a hard time understanding this verse because I didn't know what confess meant. I, in my tradition, confession meant you went to, you went to a, a little booth and talked to a minister. That's not what this is talking about at all. To confess, the Greek word is homologo. H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. I don't know how to say it. That's the word. It means to say the same thing as. As who? As God. If you want to experience your inheritance, you need to begin saying the same thing as Him. Wow. To say the same thing as to agree with God. You don't ever need to fight with God. Why? Because He loves you perfectly. Just agree with Him. Save yourself all the trouble, man. Just agree with them. I mean, he's perfect in all his ways. Every intention he has toward you is for your benefit. You can fully trust him, right? How do we mix faith with God's word? By saying it with our mouth and believing it in our heart. That's it. Isn't it simple? It's so simple, it can make you mad. Like Naaman the leper, right? Remember him? Old Testament. And the prophet came to him, 
and said, dip seven times in the river and you'll be healed. Jordan River. And he got mad. He's like, I could have done that. And he didn't listen. And his servant spoke to him and said, uh, Master, if he would have told you something really difficult, you would have done it, wouldn't you? He's like, yeah. <laughs> but he told you something very simple. Why don't you just do it? Okay. And he did it, and he was healed. See, the flesh wants to make life hard. Wants, wants to think that God is really complicated and mysterious and hard to understand. But he's not. He's revealed himself through his son. And, he, and the answer for your situation is as close as your mouth and your heart. <laughs> That's why it says don't, don't say, you know, do I need to go up to heaven or I need to go down into the abyss? But the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. The answer for every problem in your life is in your mouth and it's in your heart. I'll say that again. The answer for every problem in your life is in your mouth and in your heart. All you have to do is choose to make your mouth and your heart agree with what God has said. It's that simple. I just need to learn what he said and say that about my situation. <laughs> Don't get mad. Just do it. It's simple. Now, and, and boy, uh, religious tradition and cults have been built upon this. If you want to know God, you've got to come with me to this distant mountain, and we're going to spend 30 days on the top of this mountain, and we're going to light candles and have fires and pray for hours and do all of these things, and you'll experience God. Ah. Jesus was asked, what must I do to do the works of God? What must we do? He said, believe on the one whom he said. Just believe. Only believe. Only believe. So believing is a two-part process. It's saying it with my mouth, believing it in my heart. Right? Hallelujah. Now let's look in chapter 5 of Mark. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, religious tradition would say death and life are in the power of God's sovereign hand. The Bible doesn't teach that. I'll go ahead and put Proverbs 18.21 up there real quick. 18.21. I want you to see it so you don't even think I made it up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whose tongue? Your tongue. I like how Pastor Webb said it, the sovereignty of God's in your mouth. <laughs> the message translation of this same verse says, words kill, words give life. They'll either poison, uh, they're, they're either poison or fruit, you choose. <laughs> I love the Bible. Isn't it good? Jesus said in Mark 11, he says, whoever believes that what he says will happen, he will have whatever he says. Yeah. 
You see, this recipe for the manifestation of God's blessing is, is his word and your faith. Or in other words, his word and you receiving it. His word, you believing it. His word, you acting on it. Now, in Mark chapter 5, we have a woman who is uh, someone I say, I, I'm thankful for this woman. She's changed my life. Can't wait to meet her in heaven. Because of her tenacity to believe God. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. There was a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. That's a long time to be suffering, right? A, a day's a long time to be suffering. She was suffering for 12 years. He didn't don't, he don't want you suffering physically for a day. For a day. No. Amen. He took it so that you could be whole every day for the rest of your life. Amen. And she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but, but rather grew worse. Verse 27. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus. I like that's the Amplified Translation. That's King James up there. It says, For she had heard the reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garments. Look at verse 28. Why did she do this? For she said, the Amplified says, For she kept saying, if I may t but touch his clothes, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. All right, now let's, let's pause here for a moment. Prior to this, Jesus was speaking to, to the leader of a synagogue. Right? You know that? And he was going to go to his house to raise up his daughter. This woman, because of her physical condition, by their law, was not allowed to be out in public, could not go to the synagogue. So she had to overcome a number of fears to even be out in public. Not only her personal suffering, spending all the money she had, and after 12 years of physical weakness and being exhausted, she heard the reports about Jesus healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. She chose to exalt him above her 12 years of suffering, above all the money she had spent, which was all she had, above the law of the day from her synagogue, uh, and, and act on what she heard. She's a hero of mine. This is still under the Old Covenant. You understand that, right? New Covenant doesn't begin until Jesus rises from the dead. So she heard the report. So she, know, she didn't hear it out. She must have had someone come by or, you know, been on her porch and heard some people talking because she wasn't out in public much. She heard about Jesus healing, and she began to say to herself, if I can touch him, I'll be well. The only basis she had for believing that is what she heard about Jesus. I want you to get to see yourself, see these things in the Bible. They're not fairy tales. These are real people living real life with Jesus. So there she is in the, in the prison of her home. 
with no hope, and she hears that Jesus heals. And she says, if I can get to him and touch him, I'll be well. Love that. And she braves it all. And who knows, that might have been the leader of her synagogue that was right next to Jesus. Wondering what in the world is she doing out in public. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body. There's the manifestation. What's the recipe? His word, your heart. How do you mix faith with the word of God? You say it and you believe it, right? She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Will you see the multitude thronging you? What do you mean, who touched you? Everyone's touching you. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. It could have been that she was afraid because the synagogue leader was standing right there. I don't know. Or maybe, I don't know, who knows why she was afraid. But she didn't have to be. Because Jesus was there. Religious tradition will make you afraid of God instead of drawing you to Him. And He said unto her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in or enter into arene in the Greek. Wholeness untroubled, undisturbed, well-being, and prosperity. And be whole of your plague. The Amplified says, Go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. What did she do? She just took a hold of her inheritance. Listen to me. If you're going to take a hold of your inheritance, your healing, all that God provided for you, you're going to have to elevate His Word above everything you've been through. Everything you've been through. All the money you have. What everyone said about you. The law of the land. Religious tradition. You're going to have to make Jesus Lord in your thinking. And exalt him and give him his rightful place in your mind, in your heart. Hallelujah. Before we pray, let me give you this kicker. It's so good. This was before the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus becomes your faith. So when I talk about your faith, don't turn it into a work. Thinking you have to somehow generate this amazing amount of faith for this to happen. No. Paul said it this way. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Um, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. By the faith of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right? So it's simply a matter of us receiving His Word. Keeping it in our heart 
and worshiping him and allowing that seed to grow, right? It's a powerful seed that nothing can stop. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your powerful word, which is a seed that heals, that makes whole, that sets free, that prospers. Lord, we have nothing to be afraid of. We can trust you completely because you're fully trustworthy. Every thought you have is good. Every thought you have toward us is good. You've never had a bad thought about us. That's who you are. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister and reveal Christ to all of us here in the warehouse and online to help us grab a hold of your goodness. Help us to renew our minds to realize that you are good in all your ways. That every thought you have toward us is a good thought. That your plans are to prosper us and to lead us forward into the fullness of your plan. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, my prayer is that 2022 for this highway family would become the year that we take possession of our inheritance more than ever before. That we grab a hold of all that you've purchased for us in Christ. That our conversation with you is a glorious yes and with the devil is a big, fat no. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.